0: Thanks, guys. Uh, Watching you two do the notices was one of my highlights of lockdown, uh, which either shows how brilliant that you guys were at notices or how uh, bad lockdown has been. One of the two. You can decide for yourselves. Um, So uh, thanks very much for tuning in this evening. It's been great to be uh, with you again. And this moment in history, like all moments in history, actually needs an advance of God's kingdom. Uh, And at the moment, we may feel, even though we're talking about beginning to lift uh, some of the areas of lockdown, actually, Joe and Ruth, who were just hosting the meeting there, they live in Stockport. And Stockport has seen a slight easing in lockdown, actually, which will begin to happen on Wednesday. They'll be allowed people in their house and garden again, which I'm proper jealous about. Because in Manchester, that isn't yet the case. Um, And also, I'm thinking, oh, great, I could go to Joe and Ruth's in Stockport. Well, no, that's not how it works, is it? So, um, yeah, so we're all feeling that a little bit, and we all have a sense that maybe lockdown will come back in, we've no idea. Um, And in this moment, it's easy to forget about things moving forward, isn't it? To think about advance, I think actually in those those ways. And actually, the Kingdom of God is always moving forward, regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. And at the moment, we may feel actually the opposite. We may feel a sense of being paused, even, Uh, just like... Uh, every other part of life, church life, even can feel a little bit paused. And we may get a bit excited as lockdown lifts and there's a hope of a return to normality, although I don't think anything will ever go back to what things, how things used to be because we've been through this experience, haven't we? That will just change how we view the world a little bit. But it does feel a bit like we have been paused. Maybe we're just waiting for something else to change. And it can be quite a passive thing kind of actually can begin to kind of seep into you it becomes quite easy to to give up even it, just to embrace being out of control uh, to tap out a little bit to just think well i might as well watch netflix there's nothing else to do i was listening to a podcast yesterday and uh, the the guy who was talking this guy called john tyson he was saying actually during uh, after the war uh, there was this whole thing of um, people would, as they grew up, the kids would ask their grandparents what they did in the war or what their parents did in the war. And it was kind of a, it was part of the cultural narrative. And he said, look, in in 20 years time, maybe our kids, our grandkids will ask us what we did in the COVID crisis, what we did in lockdown. uh, And will will we just be able to say, well, we watched all of Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever it might be, every season of Parks and Rec or every football game that was available to us. uh, What will it be? And actually that sense of pause and kind of tapping out, is not good for us, is it? Rest is good, rest is a brilliant thing. Uh, We as a family were able to get to uh, a couple of weeks away, Yorkshire and Scotland, and we had some rest and it was brilliant, it wasn't paused, it wasn't frozen, it was actually restful. But being frozen, being waiting for something, having life kind of out of your control, actually is not good for you. And actually perhaps us in the West, uh, we don't know this as much, maybe this we have not as much experience, of that but actually there are uh, places in the developing worlds where actually having no sense of control or agency or or any sort of input into the things that happen around you in life actually that's a very normal experience for many billions of people most likely and as we reflect on the time that we are in this moment that we are in and it's easy to think oh everything's going to get better now but we actually don't know how things are going to play out so we have to reflect properly not just hope for the future we actually to think about the point that we're in, it's important to look to Jesus and actually to think a little bit about the point in history that Jesus turned up and he showed up in Israel a few thousand years ago and he didn't show up then by accident. It was a very deliberate choice and he showed up in Israel as it was an invaded nation. Israel was well past its peak, its days of glory. In fact it was ruled by a corrupt elite who were in cahoots with the Romans. And many in Israel actually were very poor. Many in Israel were powerless, were voiceless. They had that, didn't have that sense of agency or involvement uh, that I was just talking about. They lived at the whim of the elites. And that sense of being paused, maybe that lack of control, as we think about it being true in many countries today, even perhaps in our own in some places, actually that was very true in Jesus time in that in Israel as he appeared there and as he, uh, when Jesus arrived he turned up um, and changed the pace of what was happening he turned up to begin something brand new he turned up to start his kingdom now kingdom is uh, is quite a it's a bit of a churchy word a bit of a christian word and really kingdom is his way of doing things Jesus way of doing things Jesus rule His reign. If it's His kingdom, then He is the King of this kingdom. And Jesus' kingdom—that's—it's always advancing. Actually, is never paused. No matter how seismic or uh, um, mind-boggling the news might appear, and we don't understand what's going on. Actually, Jesus' kingdom is always advancing. We go through every point in history, and some of the incredible things that happen. Even in those moments, Jesus' kingdom is still advancing and tonight I I want us to think about this a little bit and to think about this moving kingdom and how Jesus starts this kingdom movement and how he starts it with a very very big statement Uh, and in Luke 4 uh, Jesus reads from Isaiah 61 and he reads it in Nazareth in uh, the synagogue there and he stands up and he reads out from this and uh, if we were to keep reading through this passage, the, the group of people in the synagogue, they are enraged and they attempt to throw him off a cliff. And That's how kind of uh, incendiary these statements were. They tend to throw him off a cliff, but it wasn't Jesus' time to die. And so he was able to pass through the crowd and move on. But Jesus starts his kingdom with this incredible statement. And it's perhaps one that is easily forgotten. And We're going to think about it a bit this evening. But actually, it's, it's absolutely key for us. It's key for us as humans, it's key for us if you are a follower of Jesus tonight, uh, and if you're not, if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't uh, believe in him, if you haven't um, uh, become part of his kingdom, made him the king and lord of your life, then actually, uh, this is powerful news for you as well. So let's read, and we're going to read from Luke 4, verses 17 to 21, uh, so if you've got Bibles, it'd be great to open them up uh, in that place, and just kind of read along with me, we'll read just... Those verses, and then we'll, we'll think about just one verse from that, from this passage. Okay, so Luke 4, 17 to 21, says the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So Jesus is in the synagogue in Nazareth. He stood up to speak. Someone has given him the role to the prophet Isaiah because that's what he wanted. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So in, in, Jesus knows his Bible here. Jesus isn't struggling in the morning to stay awake opening his Bible at random, putting a finger down and hoping it's something uh, which helps him in his day. Jesus knows his Bible. He's going to a very specific place. He's going to Isaiah 61. And he reads this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Okay, then pause for a moment. Because Jesus now gives us the ultimate mic drop. Okay, if he had microphones or any sense of PA system, he would have dropped it at this moment. And he says, he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's just... A huge statement that he makes there, revolutionary actually, and he claims for himself this position. Okay, so Isaiah, uh, when if you were to read uh, your way through Isaiah, which I encourage you to do, I did it over the summer, just reading a chapter a day. It's just a wonderful thing. And he says uh, that Isaiah uh, uses this character, brings this character through in his writing of the suffering servants, Uh, and Isaiah kind of is often referring to this person, gives this person voice and language. And it's uh, just fascinating to follow uh, this character through Isaiah's writing. Uh, But this suffering servant, as Isaiah describes him, is someone who will save, who will redeem, and who will restore all of creation. That's the picture that Isaiah creates of this person, this Messiah, this Savior. And as Jesus reads Isaiah 61... Uh, and so cl- he claims this position for himself. He says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this is me. I am this Messiah figure that Isaiah talks about. Hundreds of years ago, Isaiah wrote about me. I'm here right now. And it's an incredible statement. And it's incredible for lots of reasons. Uh, it's, Jesus isn't just a good person. Undoubtedly, he was. I look forward to the day when I get to hang around with Jesus, jealous of the disciples that got to do that and his friends. But it's not about Jesus being a good person. He's not hipster Jesus. We look to had all the right values and we can get alongside him and get on with him. It's not that he's a good person. And it wasn't just that he was a wise teacher. Okay, not just that, not just a wise teacher, although his teaching is incredible, but it's not just that. It's not just that he was a prophet, although there was prophetic element, to Jesus actually he wasn't just a prophet actually he's saying in this I'm the savior that's what I am I'm the king of all creation okay so you could get away with today as a leader being a good person a wise teacher maybe even a prophetic you could get away with all that stuff but the point you start saying I'm actually the savior I'm the king of all creation then suddenly we move into a, a different conversation don't we it's a very different thing so when Jesus claims this, he says, this is me. This is my position. I'm starting this new kingdom. I am the suffering servant. I came, I'm here to save, redeem and restore. And what's the first line that you read from Isaiah? It's very powerful. And This is how Jesus' kingdom begins. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That's where it all begins. It starts with anointing, which is what I want us to think about a bit this evening. It's anointing. First, and it's a very powerful moment actually when kingdoms begin, or when uh, the kingship or queenship or the, the monarch head monarch kind of that uh, passes from one to another. So, when our queen, Queen Elizabeth II, when she was uh, coronated at her coronation, she was anointed with oil. Okay, that's we would understand that that's what happened actually happened to her. Uh, the, the kings of Israel, when they were made the king, they were anointed. With oil. It was a sign actually of a kind of authority being on them. And Jesus, actually, it's a bit more powerful than oil, isn't it? He is anointed with the Spirit of God. That's the beginning of his kingdom. That's his moment of anointing. And as Luke writes uh, this kind of story, tells us what happened here, there's a real sense of pace and energy to it, which I just really enjoy. And you can kind of imagine. Being sat in the synagogue this time, there's just a group of people sat in some sort of building, maybe a hundred, maybe two hundred people there, but it just as a guess. And Jesus stands up, reads from this scroll, and begins to teach, claiming to be this Messiah, this Saviour, this Redeemer of Israel. And in that moment, it must have felt like you're sitting there thinking, "Gosh, the world is moving very quickly at the moment. This is what's happening right now. I don't understand what's going on." However, before the pace gets very very quick and actually jesus ministry he achieves in three years just an incredible amount doesn't he there's fast pace to jesus ministry and perhaps as something as christians who can be a bit slow moving we should remember fast pace in his ministry um but before that pace gets quick there is an anointing first actually we see it when uh, jesus is baptized by john don't we it talks about the spirit of God descending And resting on Jesus, looking a bit like a dove, but descends and rests on Jesus. In that moment, a voice from heaven calls out and says that he is the son of God. And so we see the son of God, the incarnate God, starting a new kingdom. And it starts with the anointing of the king. Now, actually, as we look at the, uh, the New Testament, Acts particularly, which Luke also wrote, we see anointing is often the beginning of something quite special. Right? Anointing is, it seems to be the start point of something suddenly accelerating. So if you look at uh, Acts 1 and 2, uh, and I love reading Acts 1 and 2, and I'm, I'm a bit aware that when I preach, I'll often say, this is my favorite part of the Bible. Uh, and I've, I can think of a dozen different times I've said that about different books and passages. But let's just say there's something about Acts 1 and 2 that is just hard to not be excited by Uh, it's very kind of visceral real kind of gritty thing that happens and immensely powerful and when you read acts one and two and the the difference as you read it between the church of acts one and the church of acts two is quite something isn't it so acts one the church actually very obedient doing as they're told jesus said wait in jerusalem that's what they're doing they're waiting in jerusalem they, they actually get themselves organized, which is good for a church. They decide to replace Judas as one of the 12 disciples. They do that. They they sort out their meetings together. They work out kind of a decision-making structure. Even Peter looks like he might be in charge. Acts 1 looks like it's all right. But as you look closely, there's no real life there. There's a, a group of people who are waiting. There's no one Joining that group, there's no one really leaving that group. It's a very static crowd. There's no life. There's no power. There's no movement there. Then Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes down. Everything changes. Thousands saved. Literally thousands saved in the space of one sermon. There is healing. There is generosity. And then the church, as you read Acts, kind of spreads out into Europe. And there's just an amazing sense of pace there. But there is an anointing by the Spirit. At the beginning, as the kingdom begins to advance, there's anointing right at the beginning. Then if you look at Acts 4, another example, they're they're in a prayer meeting calling on God after religious kind of authorities of the time have tried to silence them, tried to stop them preaching uh, and they pray. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they find themselves increased in boldness. And then they go again. The kingdom advances again. Or perhaps we look at Acts 6. Where they're praying for the Holy Spirit to fall on some new leaders in the church, new leaders who are needed to look after the poor and to serve. Holy Spirit falls, the church suddenly grows, more people are released in their gifting and in mission. Anointing, then kingdom advance. Or Acts 8 and 10, either of those. So the Holy Spirit falls on crowds of people who started following Jesus, and the kingdom advances anointing of the holy spirit the presence of God, is what happens first even if you go right back to the beginning of the old testament very beginning of genesis what's the first thing that happens before creation is started presence of God hovering over the water anointing comes first i know in our lives this is kind of how it's worked out a little bit actually in just moving to manchester Uh, i remember sitting. i must be about 12 13 years ago now in a coffee shop in the center of Birmingham where we lived at the time. It was a Starbucks in the center of Birmingham. And uh, I was chatting with a good friend of mine and he knew that we were looking to move on. He knew that uh, we were kind of done with what we'd been doing in Birmingham. We wanted to go do something new, but we weren't quite sure what it was we were meant to do. And, uh, and then he just asked me, Tim, really, where do you want to go? Where would you want to live? And I just said, and it was the first time I'd ever spoken this out loud. I knew it in my heart, in my head a little bit. um, I said, I have this weird thing about Manchester, Uh, a weird feeling about that city. And I remember as soon as I spoke the words out, uh, the sense of God's presence was there in Starbucks, which was awkward. But that's what happens. Uh, And, you know, you're just trying to not cry. So and uh, anybody who um, comes to Fields or has seen me preach knows that I never cry in public. That's not what happens. So anyway, this is what we did in that in that cafe presence of god was there i remember it as soon as it happens and then we had four i had four different dreams about moving to manchester and there was a deep sense of the presence of god on us at that time and it's not about formula i've not said look that there is a kingdom formula it's a plus b equals c this is not what i mean at all but we must see that the presence of god in his holy spirit gets things started not only that carries us through and gets things to completion as well and it's not about Human passivity, either, and super spirituality. So, we don't do anything until we've had a number of dreams about it or whatever it might be. Uh, But actually, we have to acknowledge that God's kingdom advances because He powers it to do so, not us. And if you were to read on in uh, Luke 4 in this passage and in Isaiah 61, you would see that the anointing leads to proclaiming good news and good news to the poor about liberty for the captives. So, people in in captivity, being set free, maybe captivity to sin, maybe actually captivity to corrupt governments, being set free, this new kingdom advancing, praying for the sick who are obviously ill and becoming healed and being cured of that, also living in the favour of God. All of these things come because of the anointing of God. And attempting those without God's power are not going to go well. As we see God's kingdom move, we follow his lead. That's what we're seeing here. So what now? How do we think about this on a Sunday evening in Manchester in 2020? Well, Jesus was anointed as king. We see that, don't we? We see Jesus talk about uh, what this meant. And he's also told us to receive the Holy Spirit as well. If you were to um, read, and we read a little bit in John in a moment, we'll see he tells us to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we do that? And you might think, well, Tim, this is knucklehead stuff. I know all about this already. This is very basic, um, in which case that's fine. You can help me to pray in a minute. Um, but actually, we need, at this point in time, I think at this point, specifically in time, in 2020, in this uh, kind of world event that we are caught up in, we need to cry out a little bit. We need to think actually uh, about the need for anointing and the need for God's kingdom to advance. Normal way of life, kind of what we all would like to get back to. I think perhaps we're never going to get back there. Anything that we go back to will be different now because we have been through this. But whatever we come into next, actually, we're still part of an advancing kingdom. We still pray as Jesus taught us to, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anointing of the Holy Spirit is a life-changing event, actually. And it's more than that as well. It's a world-changing event. You might think, oh, that's very grand to say one person being filled with the Holy Spirit is a, a world-changing event. Well, actually, let me explain. Uh, in John 7, Jesus actually says, look, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he's... Now this he said about the spirit with whom, with those whom, who, sorry, with whom those who believed in him were to receive. So they were about to receive the Holy Spirit. He was explaining it to them. Thirsty people cry out. And that's what I want us to do this evening. To us who are thirsty, perhaps thirsty because we've realized what life is built on. Maybe lockdown has exposed things for us. Thirsty, realizing actually that there is incredible injustice in the world. And lockdown has exposed some of those things in our own nation and in other nations. Actually, we are thirsty for a new kingdom to move. We're thirsty for a, a, a new king, someone else to be in charge. Thirsty for Jesus, actually, for his living water to bring refreshment to us. We go to him to, uh, to get refreshed and he brings life. And actually, it's not just an individualistic thing where our faith is about going to Jesus and uh, being refreshed and it just affects us personally. But actually, Jesus is out of his heart who uh, will come flow rivers of living water. That's how it affects the whole worlds around us. So if you are listening to this this evening, CCM, Christchurch, Manchester, and anyone else who might be listening We we need to keep this simple, really. We want to see God move. I really want to see God move. We need Jesus in our city, desperately, don't we? I want to see uh, the power of God, the anointing of God's move in Gorton, where we have a site there. But in places we don't have sites as well, like uh, Denton and Openshaw, Hyde, Ashton, Mosley, these places, I want to see a move of God there. Also, when we think about Fallowfields, we want to see all of the students uh, come into the city and they're coming to university. in one of the strangest points in history, how, who knows how it'll be for them. But actually, I want to see people added to us who are looking for church. But most importantly, I want to see numbers of 18, 19, 20 year olds give their life to Jesus for the first time. Actually to say, you know what? Jesus is my king. I want to be part of his kingdom. We want to see that. We want to see that move of God's. We want to see uh, his anointing upon us for that to happen. Also in in Burnage and in Lady Barn and the city centre, we want to see uh, God's move in power. We need Jesus as well to move in the cities of Europe. I I was supposed to be visiting uh, Krakow a a number of times this year, actually, uh, working with a church out there. And it doesn't matter particularly, but I, I want to see the kingdom of God advance in that place, in that church, to then be anointed and then to see many people saved as well. So we're going to finish in a moment, and I, I want to pray real quickly. So what we're going to do, wherever you are, I, I want to pray that to ask God is going to meet with you. And so what I suggest is you just uh, close your eyes. Uh, if, you feel, uh, if you feel comfortable, um, you can put your hands out in front of you. We would say this in church. A funny thing I was thinking, how do I do this? But actually, you just, maybe you're sat with a few friends, um, or you're sat on your own, whatever it might be, uh, and just think, okay, just engage with this for a moment. Just close your eyes, and we're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would be on you. And maybe we'll have some stories to tell later. So I'll just pray. Lord God, Holy Spirit, would you fall upon us now? Holy Spirit, would we know your presence with us? Lord, we want to know your anointing, actually. and Lord Jesus, I pray for... Uh, the people who are listening to this now, Lord, in the different situations they find themselves in, Lord, would they know your anointing upon them? Lord, I pray for teachers who are about to start going back into school. Lord, I pray that they would know your anointing upon them to bring peace and calm, Lord, and fun and joy to the classroom for kids. Lord, they would know your anointing. Lord, for uh, those in the, the healthcare professions who are still kind of dealing with this and all the different kickbacks and waves that have come because of this, Lord, I pray that your anointing would be on them as well. Lord, I pray that we would hear stories of uh, doctors and nurses uh, giving their lives um, to you, Lord Jesus, because they've seen you move in this time. Lord, I pray for all of the uh, 18 to kind of 21 year olds who are maybe looking to move to university this year, thinking about freshers week and all of the things that are going to be very, very different. Uh, Holy spirit. I ask, uh, for those that are believers going to university, that they would be uh, beacons of light to their friends, Lord. And I pray for, uh, that they would see many of their mates become Christians, actually. Lord, I pray for us this year in Fallafield, We would see many new students join us, Lord. And we love it when people turn up already Christian, Lord, but, and just want to find a church. And that's a, a privilege. Uh, but Lord, we pray that we would see people joining us saying, look, I, I was desperate in lockdown I started reading my Bible. I started watching a a YouTuber talk about the Bible. And actually, I've given my life to Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would have those stories to tell. Lord God, would you anoint us, Lord, so that your kingdom come advance, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord God. Amen.